Well, good afternoon again. I'm back up here. Real quick, before we get going throughout this Advent season, we have been lighting a candle each week. Each one representing something different. You have love, hope, joy, and peace. And today I have the honor of lighting what's called the Christ candle. It's the Jesus candle. And through him is the only way that the other things are possible. Love, hope, joy, and peace. So before we dive into our passage for today, I have a little game for you. Is that okay? I'm going to say yes. Okay, cool. I'm sure most of you have heard of two truths in the lie, correct? Yeah, well, since it's Christmas Eve and God hates lying, I'm going to change the title before we play it. I'm going to call our little game Two Incorrect Statements and One Correct Statement. That is the title of our game. Well, let's get playing. There's going to be couple statements that are going to be on the screen behind me, and it's going to be about shepherds in the ancient Middle East. And so to yourself or to the person next to you, doesn't matter, I want you to determine which of the two incorrect statements and which one is the correct statement. All right, here we go. Go ahead, Ryan. You can put them right on the screen. Number one, all shepherds at that time were adults. Number two, all shepherds were required to be male. Or number three, the sheep in the fields near Bethlehem were almost always used for sacrifice. So they had to be adults, they had to be males, or almost always used for sacrifice. Now I want you to think for two seconds. One, two. All right, that's enough time. Number one, all shepherds at that time were adults. This is, in fact, a incorrect statement. Good job. Good job, yes. So in that place at that time, it was actually the responsibility of the youngest in the family to be the shepherd. When another sibling was born, they would then take the mantle and so on and so forth. And that was just the custom and tradition of shepherding at that time. We can see this all over the place too, not just historically, but in scripture as well. Most notably with young David that we see in 1 Samuel 16, out in the field, the youngest of his brothers in Bethlehem taking care of the flocks. Now, this wasn't always the case, but traditionally, that was the order that took place when it came to shepherding. Okay, number two, all shepherds were required to be male. This is a correct statement. No, it's not. It's incorrect. This is also incorrect because at that time, young girls were also given the task of shepherding. This wasn't always the case. It wasn't necessarily common, but if the need arose they would also be sent out into the fields, just like the boys would. Because sheep and shepherding were the most common commodity and career in the entire area. Not only were sheep used for wool and meat, but they were also used for sacrifices as well. So it was a big deal. Everyone needed to chip in when it was necessary, even the girls. We see in Genesis 29.6 that Rachel is actually the one that's in charge of the flocks. Genesis uh, in Exodus 2.16, we also see seven sisters that are retrieving water to take care of their father's flock. So shepherding didn't have to be a man. So number three, the sheep in the fields near Bethlehem were most always used for sacrifice. That is? Yes, yes, it's, it's in fact correct. <laughs> so congratulations if you got that one right. According to custom, shepherds were required to keep their flocks in the wilderness, but Bethlehem was only five and a half miles away from Jerusalem. So these sheep weren't ordinary sheep. Most of the sheep were actually destined to be sacrificial lambs in the temple. Wasn't that a fun game? Isn't that great? 
Now, the only reason I played this silly little trivia game at our Christmas Eve service is because I think that these facts are going to help us see these verses we're going to be talking about in a different light. How we ourselves might look more like those shepherds in the field than we might have thought before. So as we talk through the testimony of the angels to the shepherds of the Savior Christ Messiah that's come, we're going to see who these angels were proclaiming to and why. In our short time together today, as we celebrate that light piercing through the darkness with our candlelight service, lighting, seeing the, the room light up bright, celebrating that our Savior's come, we're going to see that these verses point to more than just a story. Yes, there were the shepherds in the field. There's the angel's testimony, the shepherd's testimony. But as you're going to see, it's the proclamation of the truth being testified to that changes everything. The most important truth you and I could ever hear. The most important truth that changes lives forever. This truth that reminds us of hope when life seems hopeless. The truth that sets us free, that comforts, that guides, that saves. The truth that Jesus who came on Christmas Day is the Savior for all people. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear God, again, just thank you so much for this time. Thank you that we can celebrate you today. God, I pray as we go through this passage that you would open our eyes to see you so clearly, God. Lord, I pray that you would help us understand truly what it is you have done for us. God, that you would just help us to leave here joyously worshiping you for all that you've done. Love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you haven't yet, go and open up your Bibles to Luke 2, 8. As you heard Sky read just a little bit ago, we're going to be going through verse 20. Verse 8 saying this. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. So diving in, as we talked about a little bit ago, so we see these shepherds. They're not in the wilderness with their sheep, but they're near Bethlehem, which was a telltale sign that these, sheeps, these sheep were used for sacrificial use. And they're watching their flock at night because this was a 24-7, 365 kind of job. They watched these precious commodities all day, every day, even through the night. So I want you to think about this. They're sitting there in the field, and out of nowhere, it's just an explosion of light. And an angel of the Lord appears. I want you to put yourself in their shoes for a second. So you're out in this pitch black field trying to make sure your sheep don't run off. Maybe you finally were able to sit down and relax for the first time in hours when the most radiant, blinding light hits you in the face. I feel like filled with fear is an understatement here. It's like someone planted a grenade right next to your face, not telling you, and then set it off. So in my mind, I feel like a better translation would be, and the shepherds passed out and or they cried for their mommy. That seems like a better translation to me. And within, within this, there's a piece to the puzzle that we can put together here. And that's 
that this glory, this radiant light that hit them is not just any light. This is the glory of the Lord being talked about. This is the same glory that we see so many times in the Old Testament. Representing the glory of God himself, but not just representing it, a literal presence of God himself. This is the Shekinah glory of God. The shepherds were experiencing the presence of God. Now I want to take a step back and look at all of these elements that we've seen so far and put them together. So we first see shepherds, lowly shepherds with an extremely important job. Shepherds that were most likely young kids. There was probably girls out there in the mix that could have been the lowest of the low economically that were stuck in these fields day and night in the muck and the mud and the grime of dealing with sheep for the sake of the task at hand. These shepherds were the ones that God appeared to. When we think about the announcement of a king that has arrived, our first thought probably would be this announcement should be going to the most prestigious people in the world. It should be going to the royalty. It should be going to Caesar, to the elite. But that's not what we see. The king of the universe has been born. The one who's going to save the world from spiritual death, who would restore a relationship with our creator. The savior who has been foretold for thousands of years, he's been born. The most joyous occasion today revealed to the most unlikely group of people. I want to stop here for a second. Because so often in our lives, I think the thought can pass through our heads that we're not worthy of God's love. We're not worthy of the presence of God revealed. We're like the shepherds, sitting in our own proverbial fields day and night. Maybe some of us are thinking, there's no way that the glory of God would ever be present in my field because of all the terrible things I've done. I've done, I've done way too much harm to the people around me, so, so I just have to be self-sufficient. I have to be cleaned up before I can be loved. You have to just work through all of the things by yourself for God to show up. Maybe in your field you think you need to be more successful. You have to work as hard as you can to be worthy of God showing up. Maybe your field is, is being a stay-at-home mom, where life can just feel like a grind, where God's glory doesn't feel present like it used to. Thinking, why would God show up here? Or maybe your relationship with God is turned into just a mundane day-to-day, -day, forgetting in this field about the glory that has shown up. Think about who the angels testified to, who God was revealed to. They must not have thought that they were good enough at all. They were lowly shepherds. And this is so important. They weren't good enough. And we aren't either. What a more perfect visual for today than to see this King Jesus being proclaimed to the shepherds to save us, to save the broken and the needy and the downtrodden. Knowing none of us are good enough, that's why he came. 
We're not worthy in our fields, but he showed up anyway. His glory revealed to each and every one of us. We needed a savior to rescue us from our imperfection. That's why he was born. That's why we celebrate so passionately today on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day, because he came for you. He was born for you. And the angel's testimony to the shepherds today is for you. No matter what field you're in, the glory of God has been revealed. As we continue, I pray this would be a reminder of what Christ did. That would renew a fire. Remembering that he saved you, what what he saved you from, if you put your faith and trust in him. And I pray, would ignite a flame if you've yet to give it to him. That you've yet to see the truth of this incredible Savior. Continuing on, verse 10 says this. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Unto you is born this day a savior who is Christ the Lord. No other person, let alone baby, can boast this title. This title that specifies the entirety of his coming. He's come to save the broken sinners. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. He came to save every one of us. The promised deliverer has come, who in fact is God himself, that word Lord. Fully man, fully God, who's come to deliver us. This brings to play everything that we've talked about so far in this entire Advent series. All the testimonies that were proclaimed about the coming Christ. Each piece of Jesus' life is the good news of great joy. That actually means gospel. That phrase, good news of great joy, is the gospel. Jesus, through it all, fulfilled the entire whole testament by coming to this place, a baby born in a manger. God dropping himself low for our sake to then live the perfect life, the unblemished lamb, Just like the lambs being raised by those shepherds for the sacrifices in the temple, Jesus had to be the unblemished lamb. But not just unblemished, completely perfect. He lived out this perfect life to then fulfill the most devastating aspect of the rescue plan for us. He had to die the sacrificial death on the cross, shedding his blood that would cover our sin. But in glorious victory, he shows his power over the grave by rising again and ascending to the right hand of the Father, defeating death and hell. This is the good news of great joy that the angels proclaim to the shepherds. This is the gospel. And he did it for you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. Jesus Christ came on Christmas Day to live out this gospel for you. He so desperately wanted you back that he gave it all. This is why you should care on Christmas. 
This is why you should remember the whole Christmas story. This is why we need to think through and process all that he's done for us. And all he asks for the salvation to be back in the arms of God is to believe these truths. Confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. Just like Jesus was the incredible gift given to us on Christmas, the salvation that he brought is a free gift. You just have to accept that perfectly wrapped box and open it. And when you do, there's so much joy. Singing along with the angels, glory to God in the highest. Glory, glory, glory is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. When we see all he did for us, what he's accomplished for us through his sacrifice, standing between us and God the Father who requires perfection, Jesus imputing his righteousness so we don't have to experience eternal suffering in hell. When we realize this, when we remember this as the entirety of the Christmas story, who it was for and why, it changes those verses, like I said at the beginning, changes them. Seeing Christ who came on Christmas, the Savior for all people. Then we get to see the aftermath of this proclamation to a bunch of seemingly unworthy shepherds. Verse 15. When the angels went away from from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen and had been told them. So immediately, these shepherds run as fast as they can into Bethlehem. After hearing this testimony of the angels, the testimony that the Savior has come, they didn't hesitate. They went. They ran. And when they ran, they left those sacrificial lambs in the field. Because they were going to find the perfect sacrificial lamb that had come. Fulfilling the old law that animal sacrifices would no longer have to happen. Running and finding their Messiah, wrapped in swaddling clothes. And not just this. They didn't just go find Mary and Joseph, go, oh, cool baby. Oh, sweet. Jesus is here. That's awesome. All right, see ya. That's not what they did. Immediately after they found the Savior of the universe, they didn't stop there. They ran into the streets proclaiming what they had just seen and heard, telling everyone they could about this Jesus that's come. The reason I had Sky read the passage at the very beginning is because I wanted wanted us all to have a visual of a young kid proclaiming the good news of Christ. Just like the shepherds would have. If it was a a young boys, young girls, it doesn't matter. They were running through the streets proclaiming Christ. It's a visual of an unlikely person proclaiming the good news. Because normally up here, every week at WCC, we have an adult, and we read the passage, and and it's, it's great. I just thought it was such an awesome reminder to us that he came for all, that he should be proclaimed by all. 
even those who are younger, those who are different, who struggle, those who feel like life has failed them, feel like God's failed them, that try to numb it all with different things. I want to remind you today that the only one who can heal, restore, and make it better is the one who came that glorious day 2,000 years ago. The one that we celebrate today. The one that came to us in our unworthy fields because he loves us so much. Friends, if you have yet to put your faith and trust in Jesus today, I beg that you would hear my words. I beg that you wouldn't see this as just a normal Christmas Eve service. Service that you, you go to and then you just leave and forget. I pray that you would see the Savior that came to save. You don't have to be perfect to be saved. He was the one that was perfect in our place. No matter what your field looks like, knowing that he so desperately wants a relationship with you. The most incredible news of all time, like I shared at the beginning, that was proclaimed to these lowly shepherds. With the shepherds proclaiming this light that has pierced through the darkness. I pray you would hear these words and know that you're loved. Then each of our imperfect lives, he's come to rescue and restore the brokenness. If you're here today in a relationship with our glorious king, praise God. And I pray that you would take time to truly praise, honor, and glorify him today. I pray that these truths would be a reminder that he has shown up. That he is with you. That his glory has been revealed to you. This good news of great joy that's for all people. Glory to God in the highest. As I said before at the beginning of the series, when I talked about the testimony of God, remember the entire story. Remember the full gospel of his perfect life, death, resurrection, and ascension. I had a suggestion in, my, in that sermon where I said, maybe think through reading Isaiah 52 and 53 Christmas morning before getting into this awesome story to read. Remembering the true gift. And that he is the reason that we celebrate. Christ who came on Christmas to be the savior of all people. And he did it for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for your good news. Thank you so much for the gospel that each and every one of us needs so desperately. Without you, we're, we are lost, we are broken. But God, you've given us a way to be back with you. Even in our imperfect state, we could never be perfect, but Jesus, you paid the price to stand before God and say, no, this is my child. So thank you so much for all you've done. God, I pray that you would continually remind us of these truths as we go from here with family and friends as we wake up Christmas morning. I pray that you would be at the forefront. Love you. In Jesus' name.